thank you for bearing with us all the way through. But there are going to be three of the most important sermons that we ever preach. As you well know, if you've been somewhat keeping up with where we are and how we've gone through the book of Mark, we've seen the entire life of Christ. And it's come to this final week, this Passion Week. And the most important things we are now... At the point in the story where Jesus is taken captive and Jesus is brought in, he's been betrayed uh, by Judas, and that's where we land. We're going to be in Mark chapter 15 today, if you want to turn in your Bibles there. The title of today's sermon is simply, He Took My Place. He Took My Place. The songs we sang this morning, the Lamb of God in my place. His blood was poured out and my sin was erased. It should have been my blood poured out. My question for you this morning is, do you believe what we sang today? That the Son of God truly was slain for us, that he was on that cross and that he died. And that he didn't just die for the world, but that he died for you. And that he loves you. And that he wants a relationship with you. And may I say, if we believe what we sang today, then he has owed our hearts. He has owed our lives. He has owed our worship. And may I just, if I can be so bold... If it's not true what we sang today, then get a head start to the restaurant. Because there's no reason for us to come together. If what we sang about today is not true, football season's coming up. I'll get Panther season tickets. Right? I mean, at the end of the day. But if it's real and if it is true, man, Jesus is just... He's owed our hearts and our lives and our worship. We are at the final hours of the life of Jesus in the book of Mark. Mark only has 16 chapters and we're beginning 15 today and we're doing 20 verses. Okay? Well, this is very important. We're in the final hours of the life of the Savior of the world. And the people, the general public, the leaders of the church, they are still as confused as ever. They are still rejecting, questioning, and now they've taken them into captivity. Verse 1 of Mark chapter 15. You can follow along in your Bibles in an app or on the screen this morning. Immediately immediately in the morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him to Pilate. Then Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And he, Jesus, answered and said to him, it is as you say. And the chief priest accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Then Pilate asked him again, saying, Do you answer nothing? 
See how many things they testify against you? But Jesus still answered nothing. So that Pilate marveled. Now at the feast he was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whomever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas, who was chained with his fellow rebels that they had committed murder in the rebellion. Then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask him to do just as he had always done for them. Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Hey, we're going to release a prisoner. Certainly you want me to release this man Jesus. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. He knew that he had been falsely arrested. Verse 11, but the chief priest stirred up the crowd so that he should rather release Barabbas to them. Pilate answered and said to them again, what then do you want me to do with him whom you call the king of the Jews? So they cried out again, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, what evil has, they, have, has he done? But they cried out all the more, Crucify him. By the way, they had, no, they had no desire to answer that question. But what has he done wrong? Crucify him. They had no desire to answer that question. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them. And he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. Then the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium. And they called together the whole garrison. And they clothed him with purple. And they twisted a crown of thorns. Put it on his head and began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews. Hey, if that's what you want to be, if that's who you claim to be, here's your robe Hail, King of the Jews. Here's a crown. We're going to stick it in your head. Verse 19, Then they struck him on the head with a reed and spat on him. And bowing the knee, they worshipped him, obviously in a mocking way. Verse 20, And when they had mocked him, they took the purple off him, put his own clothes on him. And led him out to crucify him. Heavenly Father, difficult text this morning. I pray that our hearts be fixed on Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Tough, isn't it? It's tough to read. It's tough to read those words. It's tough to try to grasp, especially those last four or five verses. And what happened to Jesus. If you think about the crowd. You think about everybody together there. Pilate. As we can tell in this rendition of this story. And then in the other gospels as well. Pilate. I believe Pilate believes that Jesus is who he says he is. I believe Pilate. For all that he could muster up. Says man this guy's done nothing wrong. But Pilate had a, 
a crowd to please. Now, if, if, I, if I was a younger pastor, I'd preach this entire message on, you don't need to please the crowd. There's a tiny truth there. Tiny. I'd have, I'd have done like a three-part series on it. But, uh, but Pilate pleased the crowd. And not necessarily just the crowd. I mean, that was the tradition of the day. Well, we could start a series on that. <laughs> he had wanted to appease the tradition. But Pilate gives him over. If you notice the symbolism, Pilate washes his hands. Almost as if to say, don't put this on me. This was your decision. But he took my place. Jesus took my place. We're not at the cross yet. So what are we talking about today? Look at number one, the Savior before Pilate. The Savior before Pilate, the first five verses, immediately in the morning, the chief priest had a consultation with the elders and scribes. Whole council, they bound Jesus, they led him away, they delivered him to Pilate. Pilate asked him, are you king of the Jews? He says, it is as you say. Chief priest then began to accuse him of many things. He never opened his mouth. He did not answer them. You, you can only imagine what they accused him of. He didn't say a word. Then Pilate asked him again, saying, do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you, but... Jesus still answered nothing so that Pilate marveled. Remember, Pilate believed. Jesus, stick up for yourself. Do you hear what they're saying about you? Are you sure you have no answer? I believe if you or I were in that position... And just falsehood after falsehood after falsehood was publicly being spoken about us. I believe there would come a point where every single one of us would stick up for ourselves. We would all stand up for ourselves. Say, no, what you're saying is, is false and untrue. But Jesus didn't. Now, a portion of the book of Mark that we will refer back to during the crucifixion was in the previous chapter. It's because Jesus knew that it was time. It's because Jesus knew he prayed to ask the cup to be removed from him and it was not the Father's will. It was the Father's will that Jesus go to the cross. We know that Jesus before Pilate had been seen before the Sanhedrin that he had quietly and humbly once again confirmed that he was the Son of the living God, the Christ. The Sanhedrin went crazy. They condemned him. They mocked him. They spit on him. And they send him here to Pilate to, once again, from an outsider's perspective, maybe there was a chance Jesus was going to get let free or, or, or set free or let go. But Pilate was the governor of the region, if you want to look at it that way, the governor at the time. And he ultimately gave in and gave the people what they wanted. The tradition that they always wanted was for, to release a prisoner of their choice this morning. He died for us. He took my place. He took your place. 
Secondly, I want us to see the Savior in place of Barabbas. And I want you to key in and I want you to listen. Now the feast, verse 6, he was accustomed to release. Now at the feast, he was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whomever they requested. There was one named Barabbas who was chained with his fellow rebels that committed murder in the rebellion. So he was a murderer, this Barabbas. He was evidently a well, well-known murderer. It must have made the news, okay? Then the multitude, verse 8, crying aloud, began to ask him to do just as he had always done for them. So from what we gather, the crowd says, hey, release a prisoner. Release one of the prisoners as is custom. Please release a prisoner. And Pilate takes for granted, verse 9, he answered them saying, do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Hey, if you want a prisoner, you want Jesus? The one in whom I find no fault? The one in whom I don't see what you guys are talking about? Because he knew in verse 10, the chief priest had handed him over strictly because of envy. Pilate knew that the common folks, many of the common folks had been healed by Jesus. Uh, uh, the, the chief priest knew and Pilate knew that many of the common folks had started to follow him with their life. But the chief priests had a lot of power. Verse 11, they stirred up the crowd so that he should rather release Barabbas to them. I don't know how this worked, but there must have been religious leaders and, and church leaders and priests that were amongst the crowd going, no, 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 you don't understand. Trust me, Jesus is a liar. Trust me. We would rather have Barabbas walk in the streets than Jesus. Just trust me. Just say it. Just say it with me. Release, release, just say it with me. Come on, you ready? One, two, three, release. And that persuasion and that manipulation by the religious leaders, pause on that one, beware. Manipulation by religious leaders and spiritual leaders, beware. The chief priest stirred the crowd up in verse 11 so that he should rather release Barabbas to them. Pilate answered and said to them again, What then do you want me to do with him who you call the king of the Jews? He says, okay, if, you're, if you want me to release Barabbas to you, what are you saying about Jesus? They cried out, crucify him. Crucify him. What's he done? What wrong has this man done? Crucify him. Not Barabbas. Release Barabbas. Crucify Jesus. So Pilate, gratifying the crowd, released Barabbas to them. And he delivered Jesus. After he had scourged him to be crucified. There's a lot here. There's a lot in these verses. Jesus literally took Barabbas' place. Barabbas was condemned to die as a murderer. He was condemned to be on a cross and be killed. And Jesus literally takes his place. 
As the crowd cries, crucify him, Jesus steps into the guilty chamber as Barabbas walks out the liberated one. I wish that I could do this text justice. But there's a pretty popular video. Pastor Judah Smith, pastors out in the state of Washington. Instead of ripping off a lot of his content and being that guy, I believe what's best for us today is to hear directly how Jesus was loving Barabbas. We see the story of Jesus going to the cross and everything seems to kind of be hand in hand. And then there's this one character that seems to interrupt the narrative. His name's Barabbas. We don't even know much about him except that he's a murderer, a leader of an insurrection, a rebel. And why he's even mentioned, sometimes I'm not so sure. It's like, what? Let's, this is about Jesus going to the cross. So in this moment, Pilate thinks, I hold the destinies of these two men in my hand. I know the Jews have a tradition that on a holy day, I will release one of the prisoners on death row. Pilate stands on this audacious stage who now presents Jesus, son of the living God, versus Barabbas, the thug and rebel. He says, all right, who do you want? This is blasphemy. This is, this has gone too far. There's no comparison. This is a rightful prisoner, a man who should be on death row. He's a rebel against Rome. He leads a rebellion. He murders people. He's a bad man. He's a thug and he's a crook. He deserves the chains and he deserves the crucifixion. Jesus, what has he done but heal, restore, deliver, set free? Open blind eyes, open deaf ears, heal the lame and the leper. What what has Jesus done? Who do you want? We want Barabbas. Yeah, give us Barabbas. everything now for you have set me free no I don't see any of that in Barabbas and God knew that Jesus stood there silent for he knew the will of the father he said it's fine father let him have Barabbas for Jesus knew that the father would have to treat Jesus like Barabbas so he could treat Barabbas like Jesus Barabbas thought it was the people that set him free No, 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 no. It was the love of the Heavenly Father. When I look at the story, I realize who Barabbas really is. That's me. 
son, I was reading this the other day, and I felt God speak to me. I love Barabbas. I love him. But God, he's a bad man. I love him. And I wanted him to go free. But didn't you know that he probably would have never acknowledged the freak? Yep, yeah, but I love Barabbas. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God sent his son for Barabbas. Even the one he knew would walk away from Jesus and his free gift and never come back. He loves them. And the nerve, the call, and the audacity of believers to think, I got saved by grace, but now that I'm in this deep, dark place of bondage, I'm going to work hard to get myself out. What? That's the opposite of the gospel. Are you bound? Are you held under the power of this temptation, this sin, the sexual urges? Do you feel like it's controlling you? What are you going to do? I'm going to shake myself free. Stop it. No, you won't. You're no match for the powers of hell and the urges of sin and sexual temptation. You will not overcome it and you will never overcome it. You'll just be another statistic. There's no answer within yourself. Your own merit, your own goodness, your own discipline, your own devotion will not save your marriage and will not save your kids. There's only one. And he's the one that took your place. He's the one that stood silently on the platform with Pilate and said, yes, let him have Barabbas. Take me. How many times have I stood on that platform with Pilate and Jesus and I'm the Barabbas and they start to take my chains off and I say, no, no, I deserve this. I deserve the guilt. I deserve the shame. I deserve the consequence. I deserve it. Jesus seems to look at me and say, no, son, let me have it. Let me have your sin. Let me have your pain. No, God, I did it to myself. I deserve it. My marriage won't make it. This is what I deserve. I deserve divorce. I deserve poverty. I deserve sickness. I deserve it all. No! God, I I'm so ashamed. Give me your shame. What if I do it again? I'll still be here. Oh, God, I don't want to hurt you. I love you. I, I don't want to do this anymore. Give me your sins, son. This is all we got. It's all I got. It's all you got. We can play games. We can play church games. We can pretend like some people are better than others and that's why they're blessed or we can all come to the honest conclusion that it's God and it's God alone. The greatest challenge is not your discipline, your devotion, your focus. Your greatest challenge is believing the gospel. Could it be that there's a God with a love so scandalous, so wide, so deep, so fast, so high? so expansive, so welcoming, so inclusive, 
Let me have your sin, son. Okay. And I give him my sin. And I stand in this empty space of forgiveness and acceptance while Jesus walks off to the cross that I deserve. I see him, I see him walking to the post to be whipped. As I stand a free man, all the attention is turned now. And I feel the love of God saying, go son, live your life. I'll pay the price. Where did we get off? Thinking that we were gonna set ourselves free. It's still Jesus. It'll always be Jesus. It'll never stop being the power of Jesus. If his blood is sufficient for your salvation, his blood is sufficient to sustain you through every challenge and every sin and every temptation. Jesus is enough. We don't like to think of ourselves as Barabbas, do we? We were the murderer. We are the sinner. We are the guilty. And an omniscient, all-powerful, sovereign God could have released Jesus and send Barabbas to the cross. But he took your place. Maybe some of us church people have never really acknowledged that we are a Barabbas. And as Jesus was taken in to captivity, as Jesus was placed in line to head to the cross, Barabbas walked free. May I say that for every single person under the sound of my voice this morning, for every person watching or listening online, for every person that's in this community here in Northgate Park, in Durham, in the whole world, Jesus walked into the guilty spots and he has given every single one of us the ability to go free. The question today is will you walk away like Barabbas? Back to your friends, back to your way, back to your flesh, back to who you want to be. Or will you turn back to Jesus and say, I owe you everything. I owe you my life. I owe you my heart. I owe you my family. I owe you my, my, I owe you my money. I owe you my wife. I owe you my kids. I owe you my desires. I owe you everything. As Jesus died on the cross just a few hours later, 
There should have been a man at the foot of that cross with tears running down his face. And it should have been Barabbas. And he should have been looking at that cross. Literally, that was supposed to be me. Literally, literally that's supposed to be us. Yet he was nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. The name Barabbas means son of a father. And may I say that the son of the father died so that a son of a father could be a child of God. Jesus loved Barabbas, the one who walked away free and literally sent him to the cross. We see, lastly, the Savior in pain and suffering. In verse 16, the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole garrison. They clothed him with purple. They twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head and began to salute him in mocking, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they struck him on the head with a reed and spat on him, and bowing the knee, they worshipped him, and they, when, they, when they had mocked him, they took the purple off him put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. Can you picture it this morning? Can you picture Jesus beaten? Can you picture them tearing off his clothes? And, and we, we know this in the life of Christ that Jesus was not, he didn't wear the purple robe. He traveled from place to place. He didn't even have a, a home base necessarily to lay his head. And took those old clothes, those old dirty clothes, and stripped them off of him. And honestly, probably publicly in humiliation. And put on him a, a purple robe to, to worship the king. Oh, you want a crown? No, not a crown of gold. Let's get, let's get thorns and literally weave these thorns together and create a crown. Let's, let's push it in on your head so that it penetrates the skin. Can you picture that one of those people very well could be Barabbas? One of those people spitting on Jesus very well could be Barabbas. One of those people smacking Jesus or beating him or mocking him very well could have been Barabbas. Oh, you think you're the king of the Jews? We'll treat you like a king of the king, all right. We'll put this crown on you and this robe on you. And we'll call you the king of the Jews as they mock him. And yet Jesus took my place. And yet Jesus took your place. And yet Jesus took the place of Barabbas. I don't even know what to say. This morning as we close. Except that there is not a more 
vivid picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ than what we just talked about this morning. There is not a more clear picture of the grace of God than how Jesus treated Barabbas. I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Have you ever seen yourself as Barabbas? Have you ever seen yourself as that sinner? Have you ever seen yourself as the one that was guilty and as the one who should have been taken to the cross? That was quite literally Barabbas. This morning, if for the first time you're realizing that in your sin, that you are Barabbas. I want to give you hope this morning. I want to give you hope. The hope is that Jesus had all power, and we're going to sing in a minute. The hope is that Jesus had all power to walk away free. And he decided to stand guilty. The death that you deserved to die, Jesus died for you. The death that I deserve to die, Jesus died for me. And this morning, I don't care if you grew up in church. I don't care if your mama bought a pew. I don't care this morning if your granddaddy was a usher or a deacon in the church. I don't care if the first words that came out of your mouth were Jesus when you were a little kid. I was raised in a pastor's home and for 19 years did not know Jesus. And I'm asking you today, if you're here, and I don't care if you've been in church your whole life or if this is the first church you've ever come to over the last just few weeks, I don't don't know or care where you come from because the ground is level. The ground is level because God says we are all born in sin. For all have sinned. And we've all come short, we've all fallen short of the standard. What is that standard? The glory of God. We've all fallen short in our sin, every single one of us. You may have on a perfectly white shirt today, but somewhere on that shirt, there's a smudge. Somewhere on that shirt, there's a piece of dirt. Somewhere on that shirt, there's an imperfection. I don't care how good it looks. I don't care how good you look. We're all sinners. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 that the wage or penalty of sin, the payment for sin is death. Barabbas, murderer, death. But God, Romans 5, 8, demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's what we just talked about. Barabbas, die. No, Barabbas, free Jesus to die. He literally died the death that you deserve to die. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God, what does he want to give you? Eternal life 
abundant life. Life with him forever. He died. He didn't stay dead. He, buried, he was buried and he rose again. He did that to show his power, the power of the gospel. He did that to show his power, the power over sin, the power over the grave, the power over hell. Would you turn to Jesus today? You say, but I've, but I've turned to the church. I didn't ask you that. Would you, would you turn to Jesus? But I was raised, in the, I didn't ask you that. When I tell you that for 19 years I was a pastor's kid in church, I promise you I could run circles around people and what the Bible said about fill in the blank. I promise you I could do that. I promise you that when it was the right time to say brother or sister, I knew when to say it. I promise you that when it was time to stand up, I knew when to stand up. When it was time to sit down, I knew when to sit down. I promise you, I knew how to fill out reports that I was doing really, really well as a little Christian boy. But I was lost, man. I was lost. That's you today, and you're lost, and you know it. We're going to sing about the most important thing that's ever happened on the face of this earth, aside from the resurrection of Christ, and that is the Lamb of God in my place. It was my death that you died. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.